Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Good morning, church. My name is Liz Stransimony, and this morning I will be reading from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and miss, who are my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord. Loved ones, I urge you, Odia, and I urge Sintichi to come to an agreement in the Lord. Yes, and I'm also asking you, loyal friends, to help these women who have struggled together with me in the ministry of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the scroll of life. Be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say, be glad. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all your requests to God in your prayers and petitions, along with giving thanks. Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things, all that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. Practice these things, whatever you learned, received, heard, or saw in us. The God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Liz Strand Simony, we thank you very much for reading the scripture today. So uh, before I launch in, there's a, a quick comment about uh, our commitment cards. We, there were a couple of letters that were sent out this week. Uh, one of those went to people who had already done a financial commitment card for giving for this year, and that was intended to say thank you. And uh, also to say this is the, the amount that we have on record that you have said you would give this year. And so I just wanted to make sure if there's any, uh, for one thing, to say thank you for doing that. And then also certainly if there's any, that doesn't match your records, let us know. And then there's another record that went out to folks who are in our congregation that did not submit a commitment card just to give you an opportunity to do so. I understand that we're you know almost two months into the year, but it's still okay to do that. You don't have to do it only before January 1st. Uh, we can, uh, we would, it's really helpful, I think, to have commitment cards on two reasons. It helps, it helps the congregation, it helps you, because it helps you have that, that regular way of thinking, what of my financial resources do I give to God's work through our church? But it also helps us in leadership at the church, because it helps us know what we can expect as we plan and execute our ministries. So uh, we thank you for that. If you have any questions, uh, please don't hesitate to ask some of us um, about that. So my, de- my guess is some, there's been time that you have visited somebody, and uh, it was someone who didn't live where you live, and it's someone who is beloved to you. Could be a grandparent or a grandchild. Could be that longtime friend from your childhood, and y'all have kept in touch over the years, but just don't get to see each other very often. The college roommate. And, and inevitably, that time comes, right? When, whether you go there or they come to you, and uh, it's time to leave. And what happens is, you know, you don't want to leave, and you don't want the person to leave. You stall, then you start heading toward the door, and then you say, oh, oh, and I just remembered, right? I just remembered, oh, I forgot to tell you. Oh, before I go. That's kind of the sense in which Paul is speaking in this letter to the Philippians at this point. He's rounded the corner toward going toward the end of the letter. And so it's almost that sense of, 
Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I want to make sure you know these things. So this uh, is something that's important for us to see because it, it's a result of affection and love that Paul has for them in that deep relationship. So in this first part of, the, of this closing section, there's another part we'll talk about next week, uh, but Paul wants to kind of show a contrasting image of what it likes to be Christian people, the church, in contrast to the types of values that the world holds up. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. Our citizenship is in heaven, right? And our, and our, physical, our actual physical existence should be a testimony to a truth that is different than what the world offers. So, there are a lot of ways of getting into this passage. It could be said, uh, we're going to look at it this way, that there's kind of an overall theme and then some sub-themes along the way. So the overall theme is that of peace. It's that of peace. He mentions this several times. We think of peace as, uh, typically, as an absence of conflict, certainly, and we think of it as calm. Oh, I can finally just be calm. We think of that as peace, kind of like a Bob Ross video, right? Well, we're going to put a happy little bird in this tree. We're going to have a pretty little cascade in this corner. And, right, if you've watched a Bob Ross video, you know what I'm talking about. You're just kind of like, oh, I just, that feels so good. And that's peace. Well, uh, biblically, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the notion of peace that is being used is different than that. It's, it's the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom. And, there, and that means a whole lot more than simply calm. It means things like harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and, and yes, tranquility. But it means all those things, that it's, it's not just about calm, it's about this sense of wholeness that maybe even in the midst of difficulty, <laughs> we can feel whole and complete and tranquil. Here's how Rabbi David Zaslow puts it, uh, an excerpt. Uh, He says, it, shalom, comes from a Hebrew root root word that means wholeness. In the Hebraic way of thinking, wholeness is the joining together of opposites. That's why we say shalom when we greet friends and when we wish them farewell. When I come from somewhere, I'm going to someplace else. When I realize this, I feel wholeness, and that is the source of peace, this knowledge that all of my opposing energies are somehow linked and part of a single whole. Shalom. Let's look at the first sub-theme. That is partnership. Partnership. Who likes group projects in school? Is there somebody? There's a couple of folks. There's always, you know, there's always somebody. Most of us cringe. (laughs) <laughs> when the teacher or professor says, oh, group project. Because you know what's going to happen. I mean, there's, there's somebody who's always just trying to cut up and be funny. There's someone who brings up all kinds of unnecessary information. There's somebody who actually does all the work. And then there's somebody who does absolutely nothing. That's pretty much the way those school group projects go. But we have a sense, at least, of what partnership would be like. I mean, I think, especially in any kind of organization, profit or nonprofit, when you see that there is a strong partnership of people in that organization, then you, you, there are some qualities, characteristics you can probably name. 
But Paul's letter to the Philippians and to the Colossians and to the Corinthians and to is, is a more of an intimate kind of thing. It almost sounds like some of those kinds of qualities that he expects in a partnership that sounds almost like the type of partnership in a marriage, minus the romantic parts, of course. So just here, is, here are a few uh, characteristics of a good partner in marriage. They share a strong emotional connection with you. They respect you. They exhibit unwavering commitment. They, ex- they communicate openly. They give you undivided attention. They value mutual trust. And they practice forgiveness. Now, now that sounds a lot like what Paul says in many of his letters of what it means to be in this partnership together. So, partnership. Second sub-theme would be presence. Presence, yes, you'll notice uh, some alliteration, yes. Peace, partnership, presence. Yes, P words. Presence, it's about, a, it's about how you are in the world. That when you walk into a room, your presence enters the room. What does that presence communicate? What does, it, what does it look like? What do people experience when, they, when your presence is there? Paul talks about, he, well, he radiates joy. Joy. I mean, all through this letter, he, it's been joyful. He clearly loves these people and very grateful for these people at this church, and they are to him. So he radiates joy, and he tells them, be glad. Hey, I'll say it again. Be glad. Rejoice. Be a person of joy. That would be part of your presence in the world. Let your, gent- your gentleness be shown toward all people. Now, we think of gentleness often as someone who's very meek and timid. Um, that's not really the sense of the word here. It's, it's really more of someone who is magnanimous. Someone who, who gives a generous consideration of other people. You know, this, this would be the person who, whose go-to is uh, always um, is always assuming positive intent. Assuming positive intent on the part of the other person. Someone whose gentleness is shown to all people. And don't be anxious says don't be anxious you might have heard the phrase i've used it before a non-anxious presence that that gets used in teaching circles and counseling circles and other circles but but it's it's certainly helpful for anyone to understand what it means to be a non-anxious presence that sometimes we're with somebody who is very upset they're very angry they're very sad they're very irritated they're very, whatever it is and sometimes if we if we just join them in that doesn't really help anything. Sometimes we need to be a non-anxious presence. You know, when a small child has a total tantrum and meltdown, be a non-anxious presence with them. So don't be anxious. So we're going to be joyful, we're going to be gentle, magnanimous toward others, we're going to not be anxious, be a non-anxious presence, because we pray. He says, so pray, make your requests known to God. 
with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. You know, it's often, often we think of prayer as that checklist that we pray, okay, God, here's the things I need you to do. And as you get them done, I'm going to check them off, okay? Well, no, it's, it's a conversation with God that's partly saying, God, well, I really need help with this. God, help this person that's going through this. And God, thank you. Thankfulness. With gratitude, we pray to God. And when we do that, he says in verse 7, Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that exceeds understanding. You might be going through a difficult time at some point in your life, and you might even wonder yourself, I don't know how I am as together as I am going through this. Or you may see somebody else, and you might, you might say to them, man, how can you be so at peace right now? It could be this gift of peace that God gives that really is beyond our understanding. And so we would say to God, thank you for that. So we've talked about partnership, we've talked about presence. Well, now what about perspective? Perspective. Uh, After you read the first part of chapter 2 in Philippians, much of what you keep reading kind of hooks back to that area because right there, that's where they had the Christ hymn. Now, you might remember that from a few weeks ago. The Christ hymn uh, describes the nature and the character of Jesus, right? And it says, have this attitude, this mindset, this perspective, that was in Christ Jesus. It goes on to describe what that was. It was an attitude of humility. It said he, didn't, he did not consider that his equality with God was something to be exploited. Well, wait, I'm, here I am in human flesh and I'm equal to God. Well, I, could, I can rule the world. Nope. He was humble. And he was there to serve others. He was obedient to God. That's to be our perspective, the way we think. I mean, Jesus himself said, I came not to be served, but to serve. So to have this perspective, Paul says, think about these things. Now, this is an active process he's inviting us into. It's an active process, not just a, oh, maybe, oh, maybe I'll remember that later. No, think about these things. And so there's, this, there's a list that he provides. But before I, before I run through that list, let's, for just a moment, let me talk about how it is that we think. How it is that we think. So, you probably know we have different parts of our brain. One part of our brain we'll just call the unconscious brain, right? And that is the part that's always at work. Always at work. It makes sure you're breathing when you're asleep. It it makes sure your body digests its food. it's, It's always at work. The other part of your brain is the rational, conscious part where where you make decisions and and you ponder things thing is the unconscious is far more powerful and far larger than the conscious and so sometimes that that kind of starts to take over and so the discipline of thinking in certain ways can help us help us steer how we're going to go through situations and through life so 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 the way so an example just a quick example you're in your house let's say you're by yourself you're in your house, your apartment, whatever, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden there is a loud bang against a window in your bedroom. Well, probably 
the first thing you feel is emotion. Is, is emotion. It is emotion. It's fear. Oh my goodness. What was that? Right? Because you don't know. It's something unexpected. You don't know. And well, is someone trying to break the window? Is so. So fear. That's your unconscious brain kicking in. Saying, yep, let's be fearful right now. We don't know what is about to happen. And so you slowly, cautiously, you grab a, you know, you grab a stick or something that you have in the house and you go to your bedroom and you look out the window. Well, the, there's a kid outside. It's a boy who's trying to see how far he can throw this new ball that he has. And he threw the ball so hard it hit your window. And then you're like, oh, the conscious brain says, see, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And you calm down. And you might even go, aw, that's so cute. Right? You went from, ah, to, aw, in about 30 seconds. That's your unconscious brain, your conscious brain. So Paul gives this list of things to think about. Actively think about these things, the conscious part of your brain. Now, interestingly, this list is not exclusively Christian. I mean, think about these things, he says, things that are true. Things that are good, things that are holy, things that are excellent, that are admirable, just, pure, lovely. None of those things are specifically about Jesus or about the Christian life. It's just, but those are good things that we want in the world for everybody. And to exhibit those values, those virtues, then in my life. So think about these things so that... So that our minds don't get hijacked. So that our minds don't get hijacked. You see, sometimes somebody will tell you something, and they themselves are very angry, they're very sad, they're whatever. But they tell you in a way, because they, in a way that hoping it makes you angry or sad or whatever. That can happen and certainly just in, in relationships. It certainly happens in media, in social media, yes, in politics. Things get talked about in such a way to make you mad. Let me tell you about something. And this happened and this is what it means and didn't that make you mad? Boy, well, yes, it does. Yeah, and so let me tell you something else. And they tell you something else. Man, you're really getting fired up. I'm really mad. And then they say, okay, so here's what we're going to do. And you're like, yeah, let's go do it. got hijacked your mind got hijacked they hooked into your unconscious fear anger kinds of things and then said let me drag you along the way and we're going to go do this now in case you think i'm pointing out a political person or party right now i'm not because it's a human thing it happens across the spectrum Paul's saying, don't let someone hijack your mind. Think about these things. Yes, you'll have an immediate reaction to something. Absolutely, we all do. Sure. But then wait. Just because that person is angry, does that mean I need to be angry? Maybe I don't have enough information about this to be angry. Maybe I should ask some questions. That's, that's a different kind of presence in the world, isn't it? It's a different perspective to model. 
Man, we need this teaching. We need this teaching that the Christian faith is about wholeness and completeness and welfare and tranquility. But living the Christian life is not a competition. Living the Christian life is not about scorekeeping. It's it's about some other things. Living the Christian life is about engaging in the partnership of the work of Jesus. It is about being a presence of joy and peace to the world. It's about cultivating a perspective of the mind, Jesus, so that we can experience a peace. We experience a peace and a wholeness, a shalom in our life that is beyond any human comprehension. I can't really describe it. I don't know, but I can tell you, man, I feel a peace I can't even describe. So Paul says, so the God of peace, the God who is peace, the God who is shalom, will be with you. So practice these things, these things we see in Paul, these things he teaches, the things we see in others that are living this life. Do those things so that you might be a person of joy and peace. Friends, this is what is entailed in seeking to be joyful community. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for the ways that you are at work uh, in the world around us that we see and the ways that we don't see. The ways you're at work in our lives. The ways we can point to and ones that we can't even comprehend. Because God, we know, we, we believe that you are at work. You are at work to restore creation, humanity, back into right relationship with you. And so, God, we seek to be those people who partner with you in that, who have a presence of joy and peace, and who think in a way that is aligned with Jesus himself. As we do that, we thank you for the ways that you will continue to bless us so that we can be a blessing for others. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.